you know, there might be an image, a finished image that has pieces of two different seasons and a completely different year all in one. So you're really playing with time in a, in a sense. You know, it's memory and it's time. You're time traveling. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today we are going to Santa Fe, New Mexico. We're talking with Ellen Jansen. Ellen is best described, self-described as a photo montage artist, brilliant photographer, really, really interesting, graphically interesting, uh, image interesting work that takes on some really, really huge questions. And, and we're going to be getting into those today. And Ellen, how are you doing today? Tell me what life is like out in Santa Fe. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely today. It rained and rained and rained last night. Not today. It's nice and sunny and clear and you know, it, it's great to see the ground wet, which is a, a real anomaly out here. <laughs> Usually, it's bone dry, but uh, with these monsoons lately, it's it's everything's turning green. It's amazing. Oh, I I love it when the desert blooms. That that, that is a beautiful sight, and, and you know, not often in the fall. Where I am, of course, we we were in drought conditions until today, where it's been pouring down rain and it's cold. So, the seasons are changing as we record this one. Um, good news, I think, for photographers when the, when the seasons decide to become a little bit different. Well, hopefully I'll get out and be able to shoot some more because, you know, with the pandemic, I haven't really driven farther than I can get back in the same day, you know, I, because I feel still feel strange about staying in a motel. So yeah, that you, you are a smart person, I think, for, for staying as close to home as possible. Ellen, your work is all over the place. It's been published internationally. The National Museum of Women in the Arts, you know, chose you as the for an artist spotlight. You're the first place winner uh, of the Pollux Award. I mean, just you know, you go to your website, and, and everybody, of course, there's a website. It's ellenjansen.com, E-L-L-E-N-J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. This this is a resume that is deeply impressive. Just so far this year, the Save Arts is, is chosen your image for a billboard. The Praxis Photo Arts Center here in, in Minnesota, one of my favorite galleries, uh, had you as a juror for their ex- exhibition, Liquid Sky. The South by Southeast Gallery, La Photo, you know, it, you just go down this list. Everybody seems to be celebrating your work. But you are not a photographer from age seven. You, you came into this through, you know, a, a pretty interesting and, and unusual avenue. So, how did you get from being, you know, a college student or, or being born in, in St. Louis to someone working and manipulating images in this tremendous way? Okay. I actually got my first camera when I was five. It was a brownie. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in, in storage, I have, uh, you know, those little square packets that have the uh, spiral binding on it of of, of photos I took when I was five and on the back of them I wrote in crayon what they were <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I I hope these are are in a temperature and humidity controlled space I hope you're preserving these well they're somewhere they're near St. Louis when my parents passed away uh, we put things that we wanted to save of theirs 
in storage, plus some of the stuff we had. So it's it's back there somewhere. <laughs> I just oh, okay. So that was like an early an early form of photography. But I've always been interested in visual imagery, and I never really liked the idea of painting. I, I don't know what it is. It's something like it seems sort of daunting to look at a black blank canvas, it's sort of like a writer who looks mm-hmm. at art, you know. And I, I wanted something to sort of kickstart me, and I didn't want to go through the whole film camera thing. So I just was interested in it, but it wasn't until I think 2003 is when I actually really started. And that's when digital cameras were getting a little more sophisticated and a little bit more, you know, pixels, more resolution. So that's when I got my first camera and I started what I, what I, I call the camera uh, delivery device. It's, I don't really care about the camera. <laughs> I just want to get something, something into my computer so that I can create. So that's why I don't really consider myself a photographer because I don't really understand things like f-stops and all those kind of things. Well, let's back up to just a little bit, and and, and I love that you know, an, an image delivery device, a picture delivery device. You got a, a degree in graphic arts. What were you doing? Mostly, I ended up working in advertising. I worked uh, for the okay. Kroger company doing food ads. That was my first major job. And then I went to uh, McGraw-Hill and I did uh, book layout. And then I ended up at the Metro East Journal in East St. Louis, Illinois. I was their chief graphics person that did all the, all the ads. And I just really didn't like that at all. You didn't like that. Why not? Um, I mean, the, the the earlier ones were okay, but the Metro East Journal, I don't know if you know anything about East St. Louis, but it's quite poor. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the building that the Metro East Journal was housed in when I was working there is is derelict now. I, but it's a very poor area. And, and I just, for some weird reason, I felt guilty about trying to sell people stuff that they didn't really need. And it, I don't know. I, I know it, it seems strange, but... It just bothered me that I was in advertising at the time. So, but the the design work is is solid, and I un- I understand the ethical complaint uh, very very well. You then went, you know, either first or very soon off to the Mattel Toy Corporation. You are the only person I know um, who's ever worked for what must be a tremendously huge company. Uh, what were you doing there? Okay, first I um, I had a stint after the after the. Metro East Journal of dropping out and becoming an organic gardener, and I raised goats and made cheese. So there was an interim there. I was doing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem creative, and I mean, it was. Cre- I felt it was creative. I was being very creative in that work. And my husband and I built solar houses and things. He designed greenhouses. It was it was a, a, a great period. But the the world didn't look at it as, as a creative, and so I wasn't getting really a creative feedback. So I uh, I ended up at going to FITM in which is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles. I got accepted. I went and I got got my degree, and then I won. They call it the second year, but it's got it's got a more formal name. But it's it's a it's like a graduate degree in in fashion, and I won the the top scholarship so i had it totally free 
So I went and finished that up and I had a runway show in LA and, and I had designed a whole line of clothing and so forth. So right after that, I started looking for work and everything I saw in the fashion world in LA, which was early, early nineties was very teen pop kind of stuff. And what I was doing with it were things like more akin to like Isi Miyake. I don't know if you know, you know, more avant-garde, mm-hmm. strange mm-hmm. Kind of things. And uh, I had a lot of clothes that parts came apart and you turned them around and they can become other things. And everyone said, you don't want to work for us because you're not going to be able to do anything creative, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up seeing an ad at Mattel for a project designer in, in the Barbie division. <laughs> and I applied, uh, you know, I was, and they said I, that I was perfect because everything I had done, all the innovative things I had done with the clothes that changed and all is perfect for what they wanted because they, their emphasis was sort of at that time going away from just pretty doll, cute stuff into what they call, uh, where there's themes that where the doll's doing something more unusual. So that's why they hired me. And I was there two years. <laughs> so how how do you get from that kind of being that kind of a designer into the work that you're doing now? And and I'm, I'm hesitating to describe this. I want to get really into it here in just a second. But the 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 images that you create are avant garde. They are multi layered and, and and multifaceted. But it doesn't seem like a natural step to go from Mattel to the artist that you are. But if you had seen what I did at Mattel, it was it was more edgy and it was pushing the envelope and it was one of my projects. I don't make I only made a salary. It didn't matter how how the project sold, but but one of my projects that I created and developed sold a hundred million dollars worth in one year, which is kind of nice. Oh my! <laughs> well, well, nice, nice for nice for Mattel. And I had about three or four patents I got while I was there because I developed you know, unique ways of doing things. So I, I was pushing the avant-garde, but I was getting resistance at the time. So that's what discouraged me. I just thought, you know, I, I don't want to keep doing this. It's just, to me, it's a dead end. I, I couldn't really see myself doing this for very long. So what I wanted to do was look for something that was more creative. And while I was still at Mattel, on weekends and, and in the evenings, I started trying to play around with what I could do creatively. And I started making vessels, you know, like bowl shapes and, you know, but more odd, not, not normal looking ones out of uh, recycled paper because I mm-hmm. early in college, I had taken ceramics and I really enjoyed that feel of, you know, forming something three dimensional. So the paper sort of gave me that cause I didn't have clay and I didn't have a kiln and it, and it gave me an outlet. And then anyway, I quit Mattel at some point. I just said, I walked in and talked to my boss and I said, uh, I want to quit. And she was horrified. She said, in the history, this was, this was in 1994, I think. She said, in the history of Barbie at that time, no one has ever quit. They either get fired or they get laid off. But no one, she kept saying that, no one has ever quit. <laughs> I said, well, I'm the first. <laughs> and I walked out. 
Oh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall that day. When we're talking about photography, you credit um, a lot of, of your your return to being fascinated with technical developments. You, you know, you, you talk about resolution suddenly getting to the point where you are interested again. Right. You talk right. about learning the, the learning the software, the post production as as being one of the, one of the real things that attracted you. What is it about post-production that is so much more appealing to you than standing in a field taking a picture of a tree? Well, while I was at Mattel, I got, this is right before I quit. They didn't know I was getting ready to quit, (laughs) but I was chosen as one of four of the designers throughout the, the, the whole facility to pull away from our normal work for two months and learn something that was called euphoria. It's you and the, the, the number four IA, which was uh, a software. It was developed to create patterns for like fabrics and that sort of thing. But it was also, you could shape it around a, a, an object. You know, you, you, it was three, like a 3D, 3D printing, not 3D printing, 3D imaging. imaging. And mm-hmm. I learned that. I was, I was able to learn that. So when I quit, I had this void. Of, I was like, oh, no, you know, because I really, that I like, those two months. I just loved those because I was really learning the technology, learning how to handle the machinery, learning how to create imagery. So right after I quit, I got an Apple computer and I got I got Photoshop. That sort of started me off. But I was discouraged because at the time, this is like the, more of the later 90s, I guess, by then, the the cameras just I think they were like three megapixel and so you know <laughs> it would be okay if you wanted to share a, a, a photo of your cat or something but I mean you know you, you couldn't really do much with them so I just kept playing around and, and doing sp- spending most of my time with my vessels and my my sculptural forms and making jewelry that's what I did mostly until early two thousands when the com- the cameras started becoming much better. And I started, initially I started using the camera to document my jewelry and document my, my sculptural forms. And then my husband said, well, why don't you use that and play play around with them visually? (laughs) So I thought, Hey, that's a good idea. And so I just started like manipulating them, putting things together digitally. You know, it's not just, uh, I was just playing around visually. I wasn't really creating series at the time and it wasn't mm-hmm. until I, I don't know i forgot like 2006 maybe or so and i started really thinking in terms of uh, a body of work that had a theme and then i would i would um work within that until i felt like i had a nice body of work and then i would i would come up with another theme more or less i guess you'd call it a theme and and work on that is is that the way you're work? You've been working ever since that you're you're picking an idea, a theme, constructing a series, and then moving on. Much more than you know the, the individual image. It's it's really quite personal, really. Uh, I mean, some of the earlier ones weren't; they were more just ob- observational. But once uh, we moved back, we were at the time when I went to Fitham, which was in Los Angeles. We were living in California, and we lived there until 2009, I believe. And then we moved back to St. Louis because my parents were aging and they really needed some help. And my mm-hmm. mother-in-law was slipping into dementia and my father-in-law had passed away. And so 
we were kind of loose in, in that we didn't have kids that had to stay in school. And, you know, there were, there were, we could change our life and go back to St. Louis for a while and, and help everybody out. And that's when I started, I guess, my first series. I was really emotionally involved with this losing reality because I was, I was feeling like my mother-in-law was vanishing. You know, she was diminishing into Alzheimer's and my husband was losing his mother. And so that theme is what kind of got me going on more personal work. Well, that theme it is on your website, and and folks, you've got to go look at this because this is um, tremendously imaginative and and compelling stuff. You, you say on your website that you know you begin with an image and then you color it, you shape it, you edit it, you look at it for a while, you come back to it. Let, let's talk about just the very first image in that series. You have a tree, you've got some clouds. It looks like it's a mirrored image left and right. And you have a figure in the middle. And, and you know, for lack of a better term, we'll call it a ghost, a bit of mist, whatever. Tell me the story of this image. So the, that one, it was my husband, that uh, all these pictures were taken in and around either my parents, five acres, or this park that was near where my mother-in-law lived. And mm-hmm. so they were all, all the images that are like ghosts are really my husband in there. And again, like I said, I, he was, I was thinking of it in terms of him losing his mother and, and her losing herself. And that's why the, the figures are ghost-like. And some, some instances, they're not really ghost-like. They're just more or less like a, an outline of, of an image. That was a, a particularly beautiful area in this lake, and I I liked the doubling because it created like a whole tree. And then I, I, if you notice, right next to it is trailing. That one's called trailing spring, and right next to it is trailing autumn. I came back. I, I we were yep. in that area for about six years, and so what I did over the six years is I would re- revisit the same place over and over and over, different seasons, different years, and then I would combine things. You know, there might be an Im- image, an, a finished image that has pieces of two different seasons and a completely different year all in one. So you're really playing with time in a, in a sense. You know, it's memory and it's time. You're time traveling. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. It, and it's fascinating work that, that when I'm looking at it, I'm just falling into the pictures trying to, you know, recreate for my own self the narrative that's there and that's the meaning. Ellen, people talk about your work in very metaphysical terms and in very spiritual terms. Uh, I was reading an interview where the interviewer you know, said, how are we connected to place? What's our relationship to nature? Where do we go when we die? And, and then says that you, know, you use cameras and computer programs programs to create a visual language through which she can address eternal questions. 
And then I'm looking at your own writing here and you're saying, I'm intrigued with how a person adapts to losses in their lives, how they're absorbed by events and change and how they experience loss. How in the world do you sit down at the computer or pick up a camera and say, well, today I'm going to go photograph loss? <laughs> These series evolve. You know, they, they evolve. And, and you know, I, I was sort of immersed in the whole idea of loss as, you know, as my mother-in-law was was slipping away. My husband was losing his mother. And then eventually, a couple few years later, my parents both died. And so, and I'm an only child. So it was like, where do, where do people go? What happens? And I felt like, I'm not a writer. I'm not, I, I couldn't verbally, you know, talk about these things, but I, I wanted to tr somehow express these feelings, which are non-visual uh, in a visual way, if that makes any sense, you know, somehow visualize the non-visual. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's easy enough. Okay. <laughs> There's an image in this series that, that I, that one of my personal favorites, uh, and it's called The Maturing Season. Are, are you, do you know which one I'm talking about? More on the page. Let's see. Which, how far down? Oh, it's about two-thirds of the way down on the left. It's a, mostly an autumn picture, lots of golds and browns yeah, and, okay. and yellow. Walk me through j just the mechanical process of creating this image. You know, what came first, what steps came next? And, and everybody, you gotta go look at this one because this, this one's special, at least to me. Well, this was a, a group of cypress trees, which is I, I near this, this park and lake that was in Southern Illinois, not too far from my mother-in-law's home. And we revisited it. So at times, this these cypress trees actually had water all around them because in the spring there was, you know, the backwater would come up and the trees were all green. And then, you know, it just depends on the season. And I would bring my husband along and I'd say, go stand over there, do this, do that, you know, hold your hand out, don't hold your hand out. Just, yeah, I put them in a variety of situations and then I would erase them. <laughs> so this, you know, his shadow's still there. You notice know, his shadow was still there, but he's yep, gone. Yep, yep. He's gone. But I particularly liked the, the way these trees you know, evolve through time, you know, how they, you know, they look young and youthful and full of life and green. And now they're, they're, they're the maturing, you know, they're getting older and they're, they're, um, they're losing, they're losing their leaves and all that orange stuff underneath there is the, the little leaves that have fallen off. So I do like naming my work and I think of my titles very often as mini poems Sometimes there's only one word, or maybe there's three or four words, but I don't want to give a direction specifically. I don't want to tell somebody, oh, this is, you know, uh, cypress trees in autumn. You know, I, I just want to create more of a feeling kind of title. And then the person that views it can then personalize it. Well, even just w with the brief title you've got here, the maturing season, of course, maturing means aging. You've got these trees, you've got autumn, but then you have the blank uh, where your husband is. So the maturing also leads to loss. It leads to absence. It is. But yet there's still uh, a shadow, which means there's something still there. There's some, even after you're gone, there's still some trace of you. It, it is all right there in, in, in this image. Was this one, you know, three hours in post-production, 300 hours? What do you think? Well, I do a lot of, lot of work. So I'm, I might have a file that has 200 images on it. And of those 200, there might have been 10 iterations of this. 
And then what I do is once, oh, okay. once I get where I felt like I've gotten everything out of an image I can, and I have 10, 15 iterations of it, I sit back and I put it in Bridge, which is a, an accompanying software to Photoshop. So you can pull up the files and you can click on them one at a time and they pop up big, really fast. It's faster than just trying to open a single image at a time on uh, Photoshop. And then I, I assign them stars. You can sign from zero to four or five. And I just start, and then I just winnow them. I winnow them, I winnow them. It's, it's, it's an editing process. But actual, this actual piece that you see right there, I don't know, I, I, don't, I probably only spent maybe a half hour, but the whole 15 or 20 of them, I could have spent a couple of days, you know, back and forth working on them. Right. Oh, very cool. Ellen, one, one of your best known series is, is it's not called Midwest because you have a plus sign in the middle. So it's mid plus West. And you, you are doing some really cool blending of landscapes and, and geographies here. You say in the text on this part of your website, the place of one's birth greatly influences who they are. But, you know, moving uh, is a way to reshape your very being. And there's acceptance and rejection in, in the idea of moving. So describe for, for people what, this, what, what you're doing with this series. Okay, I'm taking up from the nine or the six years I was in the Midwest, which was predominantly St. Louis and the western rural areas where my parents lived, and southern Illinois. It was mostly those areas over the course of six years and many times revisiting the same site over and over and over and over and different seasons. Cause obviously in St. Louis, you have, you know, snowy winters and you have green summers and you have, you know, mm -hmm. spring and fall. And so there's a lot of variety visually, even in the same place, you know, so I have files and files and files of that. And then once I got to New Mexico, I started shooting and my earlier work was, was different. It was more specific to this, this environment. I'm not sure why I started this. I, I just felt like I had learned a lot during the six years I was back where I grew up. At first, I, was, I, really, I really resented having to go back and help. <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I want to stay in California, you know, but I was very happy that I did once I got there. And I also reacquainted myself with the environment and because I hadn't really paid that much attention to it, I guess, when I was younger, when I was there as a, as a kid. You know, I, I just became more and more attuned to the environment and what's going on in the environment. So there's there's no people and things lately. You know, you notice that there's no. Right. It, it would be easy to say that these are landscape photos and yet there's no landscape uh, that you're ever going to find, you know, with a street address. In, in the very first one that you've got in this series, you have a very green Western landscape. Um, and then you've got a black and white Midwestern, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that's the St. Louis sky. It's the opposite. The oh, sky, really? The sky is New Mexico and the, the, uh, the shape of the mountains is New Mexico. But the green is is Illinois. So oh, okay. So 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 the, the, we should disclose to everyone that, that that you're a Missouri kid, and so am I. Although I was born in Kansas City, uh, and I was going to say that there's there's no hill like that around no. St. Louis that I know of. No. So basically, <laughs> I, I took the I took the my photo of of New Mexico. All my photos end up being like twenty layers. 
and I do blending of layers and I, and I, you know, I, I do a lot of different things to get the image, but in essence, this one would be a, the, a mountain in the sky in New Mexico. And then I cut out everything below the sky uh, that was New Mexico and got rid of it. And then I popped in behind it, behind the sky, Southern Illinois. And so you get the green of the Southern Illinois, but it's shaped like New Mexico. And tell me about the straight lines coming up. For, you, you have obviously you know imposed almost laser-like lines coming from the ground up into the sky or, or from the, the sky down. What's going on there? Well, this started back in, uh, I think it was 2013 with my Place of Departure, that series, Place of Departure, okay. was right after my father passed away and my mother was still alive briefly and then and then she passed away and so i started thinking in terms of you know where did these people go what's happened to them and so uh, it, it's hard to say it wasn't it's not a mental thing it's an emotional thing i felt the earth being drawn up or them being drawn down or uh, somehow connecting the heavens or whatever you might want to say the celestial with the terrestrial and so that that got me started on the on the column connection of, of the two and i've revised that from time to time because i like it helps i think especially when you're trying to blend two different parts of the country sort of unite it's like a stitching mechanism the the the, the columns really do join most they join things in most of your images in a couple of they're also dividing images there's one with, with a giant rock where the columns don't exceed the border of, of the rock it seems to to divide it do do you know what you're doing when you sit down to start putting these layers together or is it, or do you just keep playing until you say oh this looks good it, it's more of that because i i you know you have to know if you do this this is going to happen or yeah. it might happen yep. Or yep. but uh it's, it's much more emotional. So that's why it's, it's hard sometimes to, to explain why I did something. You know, I, I hopefully the image shows that. Well, I mean, the, the images are, for me, all really poignant invitations. They're not documentary. They are, you know, dear Scott, look at this. How do you feel? Who are you as you're encountering this image? One of my favorites, uh, I don't know from this series, I don't know if it's got a title. Again, black and white sky. It's got a rock sitting on a, a lake or a river shore, almost like an iceberg. And then the, the columns, instead of going up into the sky, they go down into the water. Oh, yeah, that was that was, a, uh, that was my first image I did after COVID, the COVID lockdown. And I call it, yeah, alone searching for meaning. In other words, the, the rock's all alone and everyone's all alone suddenly because they can't go anywhere. And how do you find meaning in all of this? And so it's, it's more loose than that. But you could say that the, ropes, the, the rock is probing for meaning. You know, you, you're very well. I mean, it's, it's certainly plumbing the, the depths of the water there. And historically, waters, lakes, streams, oceans, you know, have been metaphors for the great unknown and, and looking for the mystery that's in all of our lives. And the, uh, the water is southern Illinois. The rock is out in the backyard somewhere. It's just like a hand <laughs> and, and, the, and the mountain and the sky is a little bit north of, of Santa Fe. All three are completely different from three different photographs taken at completely different times in completely different places. 
I, I love the fact that the rock is out in the backyard somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see another rock while I'm out there watering plants. Oh, yeah, that's my rock. <laughs> do, do you take a lot of images just to have a catalog to choose from later? I mean, without any real intent? Well, once I started doing my unexpected geology, which was all about rocks being uh, mimicking mountains, Mm-hmm. I, you know, hundreds of rocks. Every time we drive along and I'd see a rock, you know, that I like, I'd, I'd pull over, you know, <laughs> I'd get out and take it. <laughs> so I have a lot of rocks. We, we, that, 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 that's a good prompt to, to, to not spend the entire time talking about just one gallery because there are so many and they are so beautiful. A quick follow-up. You did Midwest and then you did Midwest Dreaming. What's the difference? Well, I felt like the Midwest. Or Mid Plus West, I should say. Yeah, mid mid plus mid mid plus west. Yeah, because I, I like the plus west because you usually think of Midwest as as a region, but I wanted it to be mm-hmm. mid, which stands for Midwest plus west. Uh, the dreaming was more. Um, it was still a combination of of different scenes, different different Midwest places and New Mexico places. A little more abstract in in a sense. The, the dreaming was again. This was during. I did all these during the pandemic which is not even over yet but it was just more of a, a dream i don't know a dreamy spirit I, i'm it's it's hard to explain but i i wanted the shapes to be all sharp and the sky to be sharp but the landscape to to have more of an ethereal kind of nature about it almost as if you're you're zooming past it and and you're not really taking it all in oh i i, I know that feeling yeah i know that feeling really well Why are so many of your skies black and white, which is a prelude to tell me about your use of color? Yeah. Well, that just started recently in uh, the the Midwest plus mid plus West dreaming, I think was the main one where I did that. Again, I was Mm -hmm. trying to create the unreality in the landscape. I kept the colors correct, but they were blurred horizontally to create more of an unreal, uh, dreamy kind of effect. And they didn't seem, that didn't seem to fit with a, with a real, realistic sky. So, but I like the, I like the sky contrast, but I wanted to make it black and white so that it, it popped more and was separate from the landscape. <laughs> I'm looking at these, and, and, and I keep think I keep thinking I know where some of these places are, but of course, none, none of these images are of places that are really there. No, they're there. You know, everything's really there. I don't really change the environment. I just I just use the shapes. You mentioned a second ago, unexpected geology, which is one of your newer galleries. So, is there an image in there? If someone's coming to this theme, to this this gallery, uh, brand new, is there an image in there you'd you'd want them to start with? I, one, my favorite is Equilibrium. That's a blue one. My heavens! Yes, <laughs> tell me the story of this image. Again, that's a rock out back somewhere, and um, <laughs> this this landscape, everything's everything's real except for the the obviously the the rock was blown up. And the colors were changed, but so I didn't really alter the landscape. That's not a mid plus west. It's a it's a straight photo of a of a New Mexico landscape. I forgot the name of the this this landform, but it has a flat top, and I thought, oh, that's a good place to put a rock. And then I like the idea of it being off balance. 
and then then calling it equilibrium for an off balance rock up there. Yeah. It, it's. <laughs> It, it, it's a lovely image, and, and especially with the use of, of the blue for the rock and, and for the main part of the mountains there. You know, and, and Ellen, why are people having such, again, metaphysical, philosophic reactions to your work? What do you think in your image making is calling out that part of us in response? I think because I make these with my heart instead of my head. I mean, my head's obviously involved because I have to know how to use Photoshop. But um, it, it's like gut emotional reactions to things. And I think I don't sit down and say, okay, now I wonder what I could do here. Maybe it, they're not contrived, in other words. So uh, mm-hmm. I think if things come naturally out of you emotionally, more people would, would uh, react to it because they, they, can, they can feel that. The work is often very comforting and, and very appealing, but th- there is some work. There's the, you know, the disturbing the spirits galleries. Th- they're not discomforting, but they are unsettled. Let me use that as a term. And, and you talk about trees, um, you know, being, uh, teaching us about belonging and stuff. You, you do seem to have a particular affection for trees in, in some of your work. Well, you know, I'm- when I was a kid, I grew up in St. Louis in a suburb, but I, I was lucky that the street we were on backed up to a creek. It was, and so there was a little bit of an easement and a creek and some big cottonwood trees. And so that's where I hung out all the time. And so I really, I gravitated to nature. I always did. And then when I was, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something, I went to, I joined the, um, not Girl Scouts, the other one, Campfire Girls, and went to camp. And I just really had uh, an attraction to being in nature. And then, of course, I, I had that stint as a big organic gardener, and I was, you know, really involved growing things, and, and I still do gardening. So I just have always really been attracted to nature. I don't get all woo-woo about it, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's just a, a, an attraction I have. Oh, I, and it's an attraction that, that certainly comes through in the images. Uh, Alan, th- this is fascinating work. I mean, photography can be so many things. It can be photojournalism, it can be documentary, it can be fine art. But you seem to have found a way here for photography to really get at something else. Um, they are clearly montages. They, they are clearly, you know, um, made objects. But Whatever, whatever resonance is going on with the layers, you know, seems to hit a chord that a lot of people are responding to with, with you know, depth. Tell me what you're working on now. Well, I'm, you know, with the pandemic, I can't really go very far. So I'm, I'm kind of, that's one of the reasons the, the, the latest series, which was uh, Mid Plus West Dreaming, was constructed around going through my files and using photos that I had already had and and putting them together so that's why i'm just i'm just working more on that so i have you know i have new ones out i'm putting up all the time so i also have a, a patreon account and so each month they get to see a, a new one of my new images for a whole month before i i post it on on anywhere and so under mid plus west dreaming the top one which i call eureka dreaming that was my that was my august special image for patreons to see for a month <laughs> so then of course the first of september i start putting it everywhere but i've got a new one of course that they're all they're, they're seeing but but i can't post it yet 
Well, that, well, in, in a month, for those of us that are not members, we're going to look forward to that. This is remarkable. Alan, I, I appreciate this. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for calling me up and talking with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. I'll talk to you later. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.